Hello. I'm Julian. And I'm Tom. We are Team Binge. Thank you for joining us. We are here for episode two of The Last of Us. This episode is called Infected. And Mm -hmm. we are watching this show because it has infected our hearts and we love it so much. Um, Really, the whole basis of this is Tom really liked the video game, so he's making me watch a show, and I am enjoying that show. Tom, first impressions. This is your your baby. This is something that ever since (laughs) you were a child, you wanted them to birth onto HBO. Now that you're staring at the placenta... No, that's too much too soon. Now that you're, it is a gross show though. Now that you're looking at this newborn child, Tom, how are you feeling two episodes in? Yeah, I'm still loving every minute of it, man. Like the extra bits that they're adding to the world, especially in this kind of cold open with Jakarta was just so great. And all the main bits that I knew were coming here, I knew of Tess's demise, I knew how it played out in the game, and it is shot so similar to what we've seen in this episode, just fantastic and and can't wait for more. Must have been nice to know about Tess's demise and how it was, how it was coming as someone who's (laughs) seen, I mean, they do a really good job. All the movie posters are three people in it. So you obviously (laughs) knew the journey was going to be three people and then they pull the rug out from under you. Well, that's not true. We knew she wasn't going to last, but you mentioned Jakarta. I always thought Jakarta was like a, uh, karate adjacent like i've got a yellow belt in jakarta but jakarta seems to play a bigger role uh in this turns out it's uh i don't know a city city state maybe a country i'm not real sure but it's important to this show and video game apparently yeah i think we we learned about jakarta from we might have mentioned it last time right playing that uh, board game pandemic because that was one of the cities you have to save so jakarta is the I think it's the capital of Indonesia. That's fine. I didn't come here to learn anything, so (laughs) please don't try and force this knowledge on me. I'm here to talk about a TV show about zombies, and that's what we're going to do. You didn't ask me, but I'm going to tell you, Tom, I did enjoy this episode. I'm enjoying this show. I once again have no idea what's happening in terms of where it's going (laughs) to go because I did not play the video game. I did to this show's credit, look up how much a PlayStation cost, and then I quickly decided uh, not for me, and we'll just watch the show instead of playing the game. You, of course, were generous enough, because you're a very generous and kind friend, to offer it to me, uh, to uh, to borrow yours, I should say, to play Mm -hmm. the game. But Mm -hmm. I think you said only after you play through it again. So that would be like a third playthrough for you. Correct. This is factually factually accurate. Is this a game, and maybe this bleeds into the show, with multiple endings, or is there only one way this this all ends? It is a linear game, so there really is only one ending. Okay. It's not like you can, you know, collect a certain amount of collectibles throughout and get, you know, a true ending. It is the ending is the ending. It's the Highlander into... of video games. There is <laughs> exactly. only one. There can be only can one be. ending. But this does feed in because there are two games in this series. And from what I've read in some of like the uh, initial articles talking to Craig Mason and uh, Neil Druckmann, the kind of lead creators of the show, is there's two games in the in the series. And I don't think they plan on doing anything else other than the two because of the story and what's kind of being told. 
they don't want to try to do fan fiction stuff and, and create more. They could do spinoffs and things like that because it is a fun universe and likely this will be very successful. But I think from these current showrunners, the plan would be for two seasons or maybe split up the second game and do, you know, maybe a third season. I don't know. Sure. I'd love to see where Tess's storyline goes. <laughs> well, you could get prequel Tess stuff. No, I want to go forward from this episode. Um, okay. <laughs> here's what I appreciated about this episode specifically. I feel like first episodes, pilot episodes, they're establishing characters. They're kind mm-hmm. of painting a picture of, of the world as the characters are like in them now and how it kind of started. This one goes even farther back and is like, hey, here's how it really started from September 24th, 2003. Mm-hmm. Here's what it looked like right before. And I feel like they did a really good job in terms of showing us how this started, giving us the creepy level of fear this uh, mycologist mm-hmm. could that possibly be or a mycology professor we're gonna go with mycology professor yeah you got it starting thank you tom <laughs> starting with her and kind of showing from a listen you know science isn't real i you you know my stance <laughs> on this but they use kind of science to explain to us how this could happen and like the uh, level of terror that it causes this person Mm -hmm. which i think is a really they just do a very good job of of painting how the world ends essentially Mm -hmm. and the absolute hopelessness that we're heading into Mm -hmm. and the build of it is just so incredibly well done like this in and of itself is its own little movie just to create more terror and suspense as we you know we know what's coming uh, but the actress that played this this uh, kind of doctor was so incredibly good with all the little mannerisms, like the way they establish her professionalism, just looking through the microscope at the beginning, like, oh, why did you prepare the slide like this? Like, okay, got it. We, she's an expert. She knows what she's talking about. And we'll kind of get through some of the beats, but really, really cool and well done. And I love this setup too, because this is kind of stuff you can't really explore in the video game. All you get in the video game is just some kind of backhanded articles you might find on a newspaper that says, oh, there's some kind of sickness across the world. Who knows what's going on? But the video game focuses very specifically on America and what's happening throughout uh, the United States and less so about it being a global pandemic or phenomena, which clearly it is. So this is just such a great addition and adds so much to the series. There's not a scene where you're playing a mycology professor on her <laughs> lunch break eating in a lovely little restaurant and these military police put you in the back of a car and you're on like a five minute ride before you ask, am I under arrest? <laughs> I thought that was uh, like, were your Miranda rights read to you? There's not a, there's not a press X to have your Miranda rights read. <laughs> press uh, triangle to try and run. <laughs> Uh, are those are those the right buttons? X and triangle. I think I've. I think it's primarily. Right. Yeah, those are buttons on a PlayStation controller. Very oh, well man. done. I bet there's also a start and select, right? Mm, yeah, I think so. Well, okay. maybe not the newer PlayStations. They've got like fancy buttons. <sighs> I tried, Tom. I tried to relate to your world. I appreciate um, you. Our, our, our one of our good uh, listeners, Seth, had mentioned that he wants to watch you stream a playthrough of The Last of Us, and I think that's a brilliant idea. Listen, I feel like you could probably get the same, well, actually more humor 
and <laughs> more competency by just watching Conan. I'm sure Conan probably played this on one of his Conan, clueless gamers. Yeah, ga- clueless gamers. Exactly. He's funnier and more competent than I would ever be. So I would uh, give that a go. But I'm not. I'm not above it, Seth. Thank you for the suggestion. <laughs> we do get some cool, like in this where she gets to the lab to your point there's some great um microscopic uh binocular action i'm don't know what a microscope is called a uh, lot of lot of good i mean it's tough to make that stuff real thrilling but they do a great job there so we're examining a body there's a infected leg bite this was all super gross we're cutting mm. open legs we are pulling fungi out of the mouth um, I wrote in our notes, Tom, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I don't like any part of this. Right when she puts her like fingers in the mouth, oh, like, you no. of course go oh. right to, oh, it's going to chomp down. It's taking her out. But I love the way they were reserved, right? They just kind of showed her pulling the tendrils out. The tendrils still kind of like moving in her hand. And she, at this point, realizes what is happening and just drops it and books it out of this room. I was screaming, bite her fingers, you naked person. But it never <laughs> happened. She has a conversation. I appreciate this. The police officer is explaining, you know, we, we had a violent worker at a flour and grain factory. She bit four people. We had mm-hmm. to, uh, I don't know, how do you say it? We had to put them. Execute them or something, yeah. She's like, oh, yeah, they went out to my uncle's farm. Um, <laughs> and they're going to live a long life. And you won't see your dog again, Julian, but... He's out there chasing <laughs> sheep like he was born to. Um, so I, I do like how they do that. And then, but she immediately is like, well, who bit that person or who like started it? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we don't know. There's 18 people out in the world right now. And it you can see like the weight of it all like dawning on. Do we yes. learn her name? And forgive me, I, I I should have written it down, but the mycologist... No, we do. Yeah, we do. I mean, we'll just call her a doctor for the conversation, I guess. But the the setup for this is so great, right? Because he, he starts the scene by, like, handing her this little cup of tea. And when he she hears that line, like, yeah, 15 people are out running, her, her hand just starts shaking because right. she realizes it's over. Like, we haven't contained this. It's out in the world, and there's nothing we can do. But, but I, before we get like to kind of her greater reaction here and what, what her response is, which I think is just so devastating and so brilliantly delivered, she makes the mention that, you know, flour or grain being like a perfect substrate for this fungus disease to, I guess, replicate itself. And this was something that I think I saw on the internet, but didn't give this much attention. But kudos to the people that picked this stuff up in the first episode. But there were a boatload of hints and clues that this is how... It all happened. Um, How it in spread, the first, you mean? Yeah. So in the first episode, we've got the big breakfast scene. And in that, they're looking for pancakes, right? And they ran out of pancake mix. They don't have any of that. So boom, this, this family of three here is not eating flour. They go outside and they see the old lady being fed biscuits. They asked, hey, do you want some biscuits? They're all like, no, I'm on the Atkins diet. So, okay, Joel doesn't eat wheat or breads and stuff like yeah. that. Carbs. There you he's go. A, he's a no-carb guy. I know, <laughs> I know that game. Yes. <laughs> I haven't had a carb since 2008. Come on. Sorry. Uh, then we've got the oatmeal cookies, and she, of course, wanted chocolate chip cookies. Probably would have destroyed a lot of those, but didn't eat them because they were oatmeal. Um, he raisin. ultimately doesn't. They yeah, were they were raisin. raisin. 
Sorry. No one's raisin gonna oatmeal. eat the raisin cookies. No, <laughs> no raisin cookies. Um, but then you know Joel's supposed to bring a cake home, and they don't bring a cake. So again, really cool little you know lack of a better word breadcrumbs that were put in that first episode that were really cool and kind of pay um, pay off right here in the very next one. And I think if you actually look it up. Jakarta is one of like has one of the world's largest flour mills. So the fact that it did start from here and and that is the catalyst I thought was was pretty cool. Sure. Largest flour mill and all those Jakarta dojos. Thank you. <laughs> she has the... I did not pick up on any of that. It all makes sense now. Um, and uh, just reiterates, people don't eat flour or carbs. You know, that's... Uh, oh, I'd be again. dead right away, man. Love bread too much. <laughs> I had uh, I had four pizzas for breakfast, so <laughs> I'm probably a zombie at this point. <laughs> but I had pizza, so I'm okay. The doctor explains, listen, there's no medicine. There's no vaccine. I've got a solution for you. And you're going to love it. Start bombing. Start bombing everyone, <laughs> everywhere, all over town. And she, I think this is interesting. You would think a person in that position would be like, I am going to grab my family and leave as soon as possible. Or like, hey, we need to escape. I need to get out of the city. But her response is, I would like to go home now to be with my family. Essentially, Mm -hmm. either giving herself up to whatever contagion is about to happen or the carpet bombing that's about to happen. Yeah, like she realizes she was too close to it. And, you know, who knows if she got infected or whatever it might have been. But she knows there's no way out of this and the only way to potentially save it is to just level this city and hope that it gets contained and we even get a line i think a little bit later when they're kind of walking outside the qz and uh, ellie kind of stumbles over a big crater in the ground and test even has that line saying yeah you know they they tried to bomb all the major cities and it worked in this one but it didn't work everywhere which is again kind of a cool little callback to this this opening credit sequence Listen, based on how quickly that officer on the radio was like, oh, just shoot them, I would think it sounds like the military complex in this show is not afraid to bomb everyone, (laughs) everywhere, all the time. Very true. Um, Which I haven't seen that movie yet, but I'm going to. (laughs) Then we hit the, the credits, or was there part of that? Like, So none of that was touched on in the in the beginning of the game, right? This was all kind of new, this establishment of having the Jakarta scenes. Yeah, I think in the game, it says it started in South America, some sort of like crop or something that okay. spread the virus, but not not specifically here in Jakarta. So that's all just kind of new made up stuff for the show. Wonderful. We find Ellie peacefully sleeping in a garden. The light is hitting her just wonderfully. And she's sleeping with her comforting old switchblade, as most children do. <laughs> Yes. Instead of uh, little stuffed animals in this universe, you have sharp, pointy switchblades. Yeah, don't squeeze them too tight. Those suckers (laughs) will open, you know? Uh, One thing to mention up front on this episode, this is uh, Neil Druckmann, the guy who really created and wrote the video game. This is his directorial debut for this one. So it was pretty cool that he got a chance to direct and, and bring these scenes to life that, you know, he created in a different medium. Uh, listening to some of his interviews is pretty interesting because he talked about, you know, in the video game world, you have just a bunch of people on a stage. You don't have backgrounds and sets. You can 
build all that stuff in post-production and how much more he paid attention to where the camera was, you know, what those shots need to be in the background. And that was pretty, pretty interesting for somebody like this that's worked so heavily in one medium and trying to translate it into another. And I think he did a fantastic job. But th- there's a cool sequence in this too, in, and it's kind of a callback to the first episode as well with the kind of relation of butterflies. Because as Ellie's kind of laying on the ground, you get a little butterfly that kind of flutters past her. And it's kind of a callback to the very first episode where she sees Sarah laying in bed and she has like a butterfly pillowcase and I think butterflies in her room. And you even, I think later in the QZ, you see Ellie kind of looking out the window in Joel's apartment and there's like a little butterfly thing hanging from the window. So I think it's kind of maybe something Joel kind of holds on to potentially from, you know, his his lost child and kind of seeing it just organically happen in this, this scene is pretty cool. Hmm. Interesting. I always assumed the butterflies were a offshoot of the fireflies who <laughs> were an offshoot of the sci-fi original firefly. <laughs> it's possible. What I appreciate about this show is for as bleak as it is, there are like comedic moments, which mm-hmm. uh, as someone who appreciates a dark comedy, <laughs> uh, I enjoy. So Ellie wakes up. She's like, kind of just coming to and then just the way the camera cuts it's joel (laughs) and tess like watching her like very intently he's he's practically got uh the selector switch on fire and finger on the trigger like just waiting for what's gonna happen Mm -hmm. and they start having a conversation about you know just her not turning and her being fine and the Mm -hmm. things that are going on I'd appreciate it at this moment. Ellie drops a hard F-bomb, and my (laughs) son had wandered out of his room well after bedtime. Um, And we watch it with subtitles, so when you race to uh, pause a show, (laughs) then you just pause it (laughs) and the (laughs) F-word. Anyways, uh, uh, thank you, show. Thank you, show. Um, He already Mm. knew it, but it's just nice to reinforce it every once in a while. Well, and show him that, you know, young adults use it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And if he's ever in a zombie apocalypse, I give him uh, all the permission to use it as much as possible. Uh, He's already got a switchblade, so we're halfway there. The (laughs) discussion uh, about whether or not Ellie is going to turn and they're almost having a conversation. Actually, I think she they're essentially having a conversation of should we just shoot her? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Joel's like, listen, let's take her back to the QZ and let someone else shoot her. Like, I don't want to yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a fun little conversation. And then what, once again, kind of the the comedy of this is they're eating beef jerky. And she pulls out the most delicious fried chicken sandwich that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and she's like, oh, yeah, I got dozens of these. Got a backpack full of chicken sandwiches. <laughs> I don't know. There was there was some comedy in this moment that uh, I I appreciated. I wonder um, too if they're trying to do a little bit like she's eating bread, like she is immune to this disease, but she's eating flour and grain and things like that. I imagine at a certain point, bread is going to be the main meal of an apocalypse because that's kind of all you can readily make. So sure. maybe it isn't, but I thought that was kind of interesting. The discussion of Ellie, what are you worth? That's what mm. and. Something I, I, watching this episode, I really appreciated about Tess's character, and, and we'll talk about it a couple of times, is she is asking questions that 
you could say are almost surface level, but, and in this moment, she like reveals it. Like, I'm trying to find out what you're worth if we're going to mm-hmm. trade you. But there are times where they're walking and she's asking questions. And while it would seem like in this day and age, normal conversation, like, hey, do you have family? Like, you know, where are you from? Those types of things. It's almost like her trying to figure out what she has in this package. Like, mm-hmm. if something happens to Ellie, is anyone going to come after her? Like, right. she's just asking these questions that surface level, it's like, oh, she's just pleasantly making conversation. But a lot of them have like a deeper, she's trying to dig a little bit to find mm-hmm. out what she has in Ellie, which I, I appreciated um, about their back and forth. And then the, the thing that it also leads to is Tess who is not necessarily a kind and loving person. Uh, maybe that's a... I, I, they don't make her warm. You know, mm-hmm. she's she's not supposed to be warm. But you can kind of see also as she learns more about Ellie, there is something that's kind of like changing in her a little bit. Like mm-hmm. where there was no hope, there is maybe a little bit more hope. And she kind of starts to see... A way out, and I'm jumping a little bit to the end, but uh, I thought uh, just the way it's written, it's done very well. I felt, yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. And, and Tess is such a fantastic kind of character as you start this game because she kind of is the kind of glue between Joel and Ellie. Like we know this is Joel and Ellie's adventure and journey that they're going to go on, and she kind of provides a, a in, in a way for Joel to open up a little bit to Ellie and we see it kind of in the sequence and by no means has he really opened up to her but the last like line that Tess says and and again we'll get to it in the end she just does a a fantastic job and she helps lean the audience in that direction too and and kind of fill in some more world building um, and, and things that are kind of going on I did also hear something from the creators where they talked about trying to potentially give Tess a backstory and one of the ideas that they had floated and they might have actually even wrote it um, was the idea in her pandemic or and in, in how it started for her was her husband and child both got infected and she had to, she, she killed her husband, but she couldn't bring herself to kill her child. So just like locked the child up in the basement and just like ran away. And that was going to be her kind of tormented past backstory, which I mean, had they have explored that would have been very interesting, but I just don't think they, they had time for it. But it's interesting to, to think about the creator's mindset and, and they have a lot of this stuff kind of working in their, the back of their minds as they're filming these, these scenes and, and how characters react. It just shows the, the level of detail that these, these incredible creators have. Sure. Well, I mean, they may go into that when we see Tess in episode three. So who knows? You know, (laughs) (laughs) we have this wonderful moment, and I do mean wonderful, where Ellie's like, "Listen, she, (laughs) Marlene told me not to tell anyone, and I'm telling the first people I meet." She's (laughs) just that, like, aside. It's a great throwaway line. I'm supposed (laughs) to keep this a secret. Now I'm going to tell the first person that asks. Uh, and Ellie's like, my first was is the Fireflies have doctors. They're working on a cure. They think I'm the key. And Joel's reaction, which makes more sense in this world. I'm jumping the gun again, but Ellie is talking about all the the myths of like what is happening outside the QZ. Like, oh, mm-hmm. are there super infectors or whatever? She's talking about all these like uh, monsters in the dark. And so you know the rumor mill has just run rampant for the last 20 years because Mm -hmm. people are pent up. They think, oh, hey, you know, we get out west, there's 
there's so much internet in California, you know, we'll be rolling in it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it, his reaction of, we've heard this before, we've heard it a thousand times, I don't mm-hmm. buy it, like, we're done here, let's go back, I think is a, is a as a cynic myself, I really <laughs> related with Joel when he was like, listen, it's been 20 years, there's no cure, we're just trying to survive. And this also is the moment where Ellie does her he says something if she so much as twitches and she does a <laughs> are they called zombies or are they called clickers? they're called the infected oh the, the infected. infected okay mm-hmm. the word clicker was thrown around during the making of and i was like oh i understand that but i don't think they use it in the show um maybe they use it in the game i don't know but ellie does her zombie impression and <laughs> It's like, Ellie, pick your moment, and that was not it. Like, dude's got a loaded gun and a quick trigger finger. Like, let's not. I don't know. I thought that was very funny. It's great. I mean, it, and this I don't think specifically was in the, the games, but it just continues to push and show um, how cool the character, Tess, or not Tess, excuse me, Ellie is in the game and kind of her snarky attitude. And uh, Bella Ramsey just absolutely brings it to life, and it's it's so, so great. And then... <laughs> They start to leave, and she's like, "Can I have a gun?" And they're like, "In unison, no." This is—I I feel like this is a uh, this is like a lethal weapon, uh, Joe Pesci. <laughs> Can I have a gun? No. I guess I'll just throw a sandwich at them. Like her response—I don't know. Once again, this is very funny in a very bleak and dark mm-hmm. time. This is then us seeing kind of the world for the first time. Post, during day, right? Yeah, yeah, during day, post-apocalypse, post-outbreak. And they do uh, a really a really good job. And this actually made me want to rewatch uh, I Am Legend because I think mm-hmm. I Am Legend is another mm-hmm. uh, piece of media that does this really well of just, hey, what would the world look like if you know we let it fall in disarray uh other than that uh that history channel show it plays after the alien pyramid show but it's the (laughs) one where like hey what if humans weren't here like what would happen uh, Mm -hmm. to all the buildings we built anyways yeah it's fascinating to see like mother nature take cities back right and just everything just grow wild and over everything and there's so many eerie shots where you see a restaurant and all the glasses and plates are still just sitting there on the table for 20 years and haven't been touched and how it's all just frozen in time. And my mind just immediately goes to, again, fantastic CG for these bigger, wider background shots, but all the work that was done for the cars and the grass and the rocks and the vines and all the stuff that is in this foreground these actors are working with, it's just incredible. And it really just puts the show above so many others. It's incredible that they did it all practically, too. You know, mm-hmm. they pulled all those people out of Boston, they bombed it all out, and they gave it 20 years for vines to grow up. I just, yep. uh, you know, really my, uh, my kudos to Boston, Bostonians, for allowing this show to take over their sweet, sweet city. Yeah, Have you ever they been got to Boston? World Series? Uh, I think, yeah, I've been to Boston once. Oh, good for no, you. Never going okay. back. Well, they, they're they not going to allow you back, Tom. <laughs> well, not, af- not after those things you said and did. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't know what to park my car. 
Oh, we didn't need that. We didn't need that at all. Yeah, no one in this Boston town has an accent. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my one knock against this show is not enough. Not enough Boston accents. Pedro Pascal from Texas. His character's from Texas. He's doing a Boston accent. That would have been comedy. I don't know gold. some of these. Some of these clickers we see later. I can kind of. I can sense a little Boston in them. Sure, that's true. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> when they're trying to bite people. Yes, yeah. that's true. Disclaimer right here. We're sorry to our Boston audience. Um, I apologize for nothing. <laughs> that's why you're not allowed back, Tom. That's exactly why. Oh man. So they're walking through the city. Once again, looks cool. We're walking over overpasses. Uh, Ellie tells the story about how she got bit. Mm-hmm. And it's her sneaking off to go to the mall. I just wanted to see it. <laughs> and I thought that was a very... I don't even know if it was supposed to be like comedic, but the idea of a teenager being like, I just want to see the mall. I need to get to the mall. I need a Cinnabon. <laughs> I need to go to the hot dog uh store where they wear the funny vertical striped hats hot dog on a stick that's the one um i should know the names of these i was a i was a mall security guard for most of my adult life Um. (laughs) but this is and and i don't think this is spoiler but i think we're gonna get um at least part of an episode that's going to do this kind of flashback because i think it's it's seen in the opening trailers for it of her kind of going into a mall and this actually is from the game, but it's in some downloadable content that you can get. So it's kind of like bonus game stuff that you can pay for. And it follows Ellie's kind of adventure, if you will, in, in the mall and how she ultimately gets bit. So I don't want to talk really about anything more because I think we're going to get more of it. But it's kind of a, a quick little nod to certainly what the gamer audience well, are, are well aware of. Oh, so it's some DLC, Tom? Some DLC, man. Yeah, I'm familiar with that term. It's not something I'm just reading in the outline right now. I know exactly what it is. It's called Left Behind. That was the DLC. Downloadable content for those unfamiliar with the term. Tom, Left Behind is a book series uh, and a bad movie series starring uh, Kirk Cameron. So you're not going to fool me (laughs) about what Left Behind is. There's going to be... 0.5% 0.5% of our audience that gets that reference <laughs> and cheers to you guys. Uh, I drink this bourbon to you. Tess, oh, and this is this is the moment I was talking about. They're walking along the kind of overpass and Tess is interrogating Ellie about like family, Interrogating. Past. What did I say? Interrogating. She's interior decorating her past. Listen, <laughs> if we're going to stop and correct everything I say wrong... This is going to be an hour and a half pod. Oh, wait, they are typically. All right, never mind. Listen, I'm going to say I said the words that I said, Tom. That's all I have to say. I chose your words words very carefully. I I did not choose them carefully, but I did say them. All right, so Tess is interrogation. Man, I do not like you right now. Tess, that's a lie. I really do like you. Tess interrogates Ellie about her family and past, and once again, it's not like, hey, I'm making conversation. It's I'm digging in order to find things out because mm-hmm. you are a package and an asset. I'm trying to figure out what I got myself into. This sure. is also where Ellie is talking about, hey, are the stories about super infected true? You know, is that just to keep people out of like the world and keep them in the QZ? 
is this something that like the mythology of the boogeyman out in the world is that because the world seems pretty scary i don't know that you need to make up a lot of stories <laughs> they don't get into that bit about yeah really what's going on out there i think everybody just that's in the qz is there for a reason because they don't want to be out and have some form of protection but what she kind of mentions here the idea of like super infected that are bloated and can shoot out spores or she makes mention directly of the clickers and you can actually see joel and tess givers give themselves a look when she talks about oh yeah are there some blind that are they here using echolocation like bats so again all of these kind of things are, are from the game so we get the clickers i'll be interested to see if they do other kind of of these versions of infected because the way it is in the game it's like how long a person has been infected so if you've been infected for like 10 years or something then you might be a clicker if you've survived all 20 years maybe you're some sort of like you know special bloated corpse of a thing that's been entirely taking over by the fungus so there's different stages of the infected in the game so who knows how much more we'll get but clearly we we have in these they're called runners which are the kind of generic infected and then clickers are kind of stage two i thought it was 20 years you were no longer a clicker you got your pension and then you became, but because of, you know, the economy, they pushed that out to 25, right? You mm, don't get your, possible. you don't mm-hmm. get your infected pension until you're 25. <laughs> yes. You get that extra little mushroom on the top of your head. So those oh. ones that have like little like crown looking things. Yeah. Those guys have paid in. Those guys have paid in and are getting their pension. <laughs> That's a little France is rioting right now. Joke. Beautiful hotel. They go into this lovely hotel. It's filled with uh, murky swamp water. Uh, of all the things that this show does that's terrifying, walking waist deep in <laughs> weird swamp water would be um, my top no, 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 no. I would not be <laughs> wading in that. But they do this cool shot where they show like a, some animals, right? They show ducks in the water. They show a little frog playing the piano, which was fantastic. This frog literally playing keys of a piano was, was great. A, Definitely memeable. did a great job. He did a great job. <laughs> but I thought that was kind of cool showing that, you know, not everybody is impacted in terms of species. Like nature is still fine. It's just humans that are infected by the specific brand of fungi. And I think that's actually true to life. I did watch a little snippet of like a documentary with like David Attenborough where he's talking about this cordyceps fungus and how generally these variations are specific to a species. So the idea of this cordyceps virus being specific to humans, I thought was, was kind of cool. And you see animals still, you know, really thriving in this environment. I'm sorry. David Attenborough has already done a documentary about how this fungus is going to murder (laughs) us all. I don't, I don't follow what, what is happening. It was of like where this uh, kind of mythos of this show comes from, the idea of this being able to infect ants and insects and things like that. You can go watch. I'm sure it's a, I don't know, Planet Earth version or one of the many spinoffs of Planet Earth, but it's it's Attenborough talking about the, the craziness of this fungi. Hmm. Yeah, because I think it's rude. If someone knows about a disease that's killing us all, they should probably give us a heads up. Yeah, true. 
They also do a little bit here too where Joel, and again, great little comedy where Joel like jumps into the water and he's really only waist deep and Ellie kind of mentions she can't swim. This is another fun little Easter egg for the the gamers here where there's a lot of sequences where you have to cross water. Uh, but because Ellie can't swim, you've got to, like find a crate or some other like weird means to get her across, which can be kind of annoying in the game. So it's kind of funny that they poke fun on it a bit here. Interesting. Interesting. She can carry a switchblade, but she can't swim. <laughs> no, which makes sense, right? Like, where is she getting swimming lessons in this world? So, I don't know. You can go down to the public <laughs> pool as long as there's lifeguards on duty. Are there no more? Uh, there's no... Great moment. Once again, uh, maybe this episode was just a comedy for me because uh, <laughs> there were... <laughs> Ellie rolls over to the host desk and she's like banging on the bell. My only issue is she was making so much noise. I was like, yeah, especially the bell. I don't know this world, but stop doing that. <laughs> I was surprised no one told her to shut up in that moment. But she's like, she's like, oh, my luggage, please. She's doing all that, which mm-hmm. <laughs> the exchange of you're a weird kid, <laughs> which <laughs> is was so great from Joel. Well, her response to Joel is you're a weird kid. <laughs> Your mom went to college. Yeah, it it was very funny. Uh, we have the jump scare of the uh, the the dead body, which mm-hmm. I didn't jump because I'm not scared. Um, <laughs> actually, the time I thought this show was going to get me with the jump scare was the first like 20 minutes with Sarah wandering around. That's when I was like, "Don't be the show mm-hmm. that scares me. I don't want right. that to happen." So, because I'm brave, Tom. Uh, they go up 10 flights of stairs. Tess, great moment. She's like, yeah, you try walking up 10 floors with our knees. I was like, amen, <laughs> Tess. Amen. She's probably got drinker's, got drinker's knees. knees. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I know that game. After they make it to the 10th floor, they discover there's some sort of cave-in. I didn't really understand this. I guess typically they were just allowed to go to the balcony. But Tess goes through mm-hmm. on her own. And we get a lovely, really strong bonding moment between Ellie and Joel. They're sitting in the hallway, and they start asking each other questions. I appreciate a person that just says, pass, pass, no more <laughs> questions about me. That's great. Yeah. But she's, mm-hmm. it's interesting. She's like, hey, you know, how long does being infected last? And he's like, most of them you know, they last a month or two and then some have been around for 20 years. And I was like, Oh, that's a Mm -hmm. weird, uh, span of time to be a weird fungi zombie. And then she asks, have you ever killed any? And he's like, dozens, hundreds, more than polio. (laughs) And this, she's like, Oh, is it hard knowing that they were people before? And he was like, sometimes, I think this is an interesting line, right? Because it kind of foreshadows, not, not that he has to kill Tess, but he has to leave Tess f- to her demise. And this is clearly the the sometimes where generally he probably doesn't have much hesitation to do this in the world that he lives in. Um, but, and certainly in the, in the case of Tess, it was very difficult. Yep. In the case of Tess living through this whole series all the way to the finale, just the three of us, I think the show's <laughs> called. Just the three of us. Just the three of us. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Tess has a pressure cooker coming her way. Mm. We have a conversation about how the infected are all connected through this fungi network. It's as mm. if 
Tom, it's as if all the computers in the world were connected to each other on some sort of large <laughs> web. And these fungi can send each other not postal mail, but like electronic <laughs> mail to each mm-hmm. other in order for things to... Because this is where they're on like the balcony overlooking all of the very lazy infected that are just <laughs> laying around in the middle of the day. Other than when the sun hits them and they're like, oh, they roll over. I was like, actually, it wouldn't be that bad being an infected. Pretty, looks like a, you're napping during the day. I'd love a nap during the day. Yeah, and this whole concept is, it's new to the game, but the idea of these kind of fungal networks, and it's it works so well for the show where, you know, we see at the end, right, where he touches one or shoots one infected and then mile away because of the network of this fungi, all the other ones in this big pile notice it or sense it in some form or fashion and then all come running after them. It's such a cool little add-on for the show that almost would have been cool to see in the game. But this is this is true to life. There's apparently networks of fungi and forests in like Oregon that are over three miles wide. Um, and I think Mason, uh, the one of the showrunners, references it as the wood wide web of this <laughs> big, huge... <laughs> that guy's a dad, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the idea that fungus can like send chemicals or you know some sort of electrical signals, whatever they do, to be able to sense itself, it's it's fascinating and such a cool add-on to the show to ground it in you know form of reality. Yep, that's how you save those Nigerian princes. One root sends another root a message, <laughs> asking them for their bank account information, and the yep. next thing you know, you help that guy get his inheritance. <laughs> been full too many times <laughs> too many times but the one time it worked out was pretty nice yeah, um worth it they don't like sunlight i'm assuming this is because fun guy in general don't like uh, sunlight they grow in the dark wet environments is this am i touching something <laughs> i think you are i think in primarily in the game like you fight these guys are generally indoors or in like the sewer systems and stuff like that because that's where fungi would thrive again cool dynamic where the cloud cover kind of goes away and you see them kind of get uh drowned in a little bit of light and they all kind of you know squirm and everything it's it's cool visual I think it's important to point out, Tom, that uh, for dinner, my spouse made this like beef casserole and there was a layer of mushrooms and cheese on the top. (laughs) And mushrooms are really tasty if you saute them and cook them right. And uh, my wife did a fabulous job. So shout out to her and how delicious fun. Did they try eating this fungus? Because I feel like (laughs) if you would have eaten the fungus, maybe with a little bit of butter, like some salt, uh sauteed a little bit maybe maybe this fungi uh infection wouldn't be that bad tom your thoughts that's true i don't know maybe it's like boiling water right and then you can drink it if you just add butter and put it on a, a pan maybe uh maybe it gives you superpowers sure and you add like some dry macaroni and that orange powder and then <laughs> you got a stew going you know anyways <laughs> we then enter the sweet museum i wonder if people from boston are just like yeah that's our museum yeah that's our gold dome building yeah that's that collapsed building that's where i anyways it's never going to have we're never going to have a show in our city tom so it's always fun to think <laughs> we about. don't get it no we don't get it but we're in the museum speaking of my spouse and making mushrooms she suggested 
flamethrowers. She was just out of nowhere. We're in the middle. She's like, what about flamethrowers? Couldn't flamethrowers be pretty? And she's like, General General Mattis during Fallujah. She's like, yeah, let's get some flamethrowers. Um, but anyways, a lot of dr- we find out that the fungus will dry out and... Like, it only, I guess, transfers signal if it's still living. So if it's mm-hmm. dried out fungi. This reminded me, so when uh, so when Joel bends down and he, like, he pulls the, the root up and it's, like, dry. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me, I don't remember what it's from, but there's a scene in a movie where, I think it's, like, Chris Farley. He picks up this dried... Oh it's oh it's like a it's like a buffalo uh it's like a buffalo patty and he like tastes it and they're and he's like oh the herd's over there and they're like oh you can tell that by tasting that and he's like well actually i see the herd and it's a very it's from a show called almost heroes i don't know if you've ever it's a movie Wagon's town. East? Is it uh, East? it's not it's not wagon's east that's close um anyways so joel Taste the fungi, and he's like, nope, this stuff is no good. It needs butter and salt. And mm. they enter the museum, and we find a freshly torn up body. And I was confused by this, because is this not... They reacted like they reacted like the infected don't typically kill people this way. I, I didn't understand the, the shock in this moment. It feels like finding dead bodies would be a pretty normal thing. Yeah, I almost thought they could have done more with it because the the idea would be a regular infected would just like bite you, transfer the disease and, and move on kind of thing. But the clickers are these, you know, kind of ones that have seemingly are in a further stage of infection with their heads just completely mushroomed out um, and they don't have sight and they have to use echolocation and clicking noises and everything and they will just uh, rip you apart as opposed to just biting you and moving on. So they're just like a different version of infected but i almost felt like that body should have been more torn apart maybe than what it was but i think you get it more from the characters reactions how you see tess and how you see joel react to this and joel like turn into ellie and saying like we're not being quiet now we're being silent like don't do anything and it made me think a little bit tested so much little like exposition or helping of ellie like understand this world but did not specifically tell them hey there's these things called clickers. We clearly know about them. You need to not say anything. Um, and they don't even really tell her that until a clicker is right in front of them. And Joel kind of like mouths it to her like, hey, they can't see anything, um, but they can hear you. Sure. Yeah, it felt like some information that could have been passed on in the family meeting earlier in <laughs> exactly. the day. But yeah, I, I did appreciate the acting from Tess and I mean, from the people that play Tess and Joel, like they immediately go into survival mode and like Mm -hmm. their ability to look terrified stressed me out (laughs) in a way that I was like, okay, I don't really know why that sliced up guy is like worse than the rest of the things that are happening, but I'm now on edge. They then go up some sweet stairs. They sign in, they give their library card. I don't know what it takes to get into a museum these days. Uh, But they enter this room, and what I thought was so great is it then collapses behind them so they can't go back out that door. And much like the two cars together that separated people in the first episode, this was a classic video game moment. Like, we entered a room, autosave turns on, and you can't go back out that door. So guess what's yep. going to happen? You're probably going to get into a little bit of a fight. Um, <laughs> and that's what they're they're moving through this room. 
And I did, listen, there's cases full of muskets. Like, come on, let's <laughs> pull a bayonet off. Let's get the old brown best going. Uh, stabby, stabby with those muskets. You know what I mean? Well, I feel like at, at the end of the sequence, doesn't like, to, like tomahawk a guy in the head? So maybe she grabbed that from one of the exhibits. Oh, I took that as a like a, a more modern axe, but you're right. It okay. was short-handled, so maybe she did Mel Gibson in The Patriot, uh, <laughs> yeah. that person in the head. Um, I'm allowed to make that reference because that movie, still fun. Uh, fun's the wrong <laughs> word. Anyways, more muskets. That's all I want from my post-apocaly- post-apocalyptic world. This Aren't whole kind thing- of loud to load? Uh, they're loud to load, they're slow to load, and they are <laughs> inaccurate. So yes, all those things play in their favor. Also, you have to have gunpowder and a horn and some lead balls that are perfectly the size of the barrel. I digress. Maybe muskets were a bad idea. I guess the only thought was you could put the bayonet on the end and keep some distance between you and these clickers, but it mm. is what it is. Uh, maybe the museum doesn't have any bayonets. I don't know. I've never been there. This isn't my town. But our Boston audience, please fill us in. <laughs> Tweet us. <laughs> you know, it's a great movie, The Town. Anyways, um, great scene. <laughs> I I appreciated all that. I felt like this was, you know, this is the climax of the episode. Everything else is kind of mm-hmm. quiet and like brooding and stressful and you're getting to the point and this is what you want. This is This is what made this episode. It's terrifying. These things are weird, and their faces are weird, and they're trying to <laughs> eat everyone. I, I really I, I enjoyed this scene, and it stressed me out for sure. Oh no, that's great! And and when you first meet these these infected in the game, it's the same circumstance. You're in a museum in Boston, and like you see all the stuff in the background. And when you first kind of hear these clicks and echoes, it is so nerve-wracking because this is like a survival horror game and a lot of these shots are right from the game where you know you are inches away and there's just a a table in between you and this clicker but if you're standing still they won't see you or when joel like steps on glass you have to be careful not to step on glass in the game or else they will see you and then just come barreling at you uh just so cool the character design is great apparently even like the voice actors that did the clicker noises for the game this isn't just like you know random animal noises or dolphin things that they modulated these are actual people making all these noises the same people that made those are the ones that did it for the show it's pretty pretty cool <laughs> i'm sorry they didn't get dolphins to play the play the part of the clicker that's well that's great. like uh no, that's i know thing, right mean. it's i know what you mean <laughs> yeah. they like the the t-rex and jurassic part was a combination yes. of like four different i know what you're saying it would have been funny if these terrifying creatures would have sounded like dolphins and you're like no no no, no that that thing's friendly i'm pretty sure that's the thing that will take you to the person who fell into the well like that dolphin's yeah. friendly um no, that's, uh, uh, that's, this was all great. What I find myself when I'm watching this scene is, is there's a lot of shooting going on. And I'm just like, listen, you guys have been in these situations before. Calmly shoot them in the head. And then I remember any time I've ever played a video game like this where you're supposed <laughs> to like sneak and then something jumps out and you're just like, hold down the trigger, 
uh, <laughs> spray everywhere. You just complete panic. And that's me playing a video game. So I'm assuming <laughs> when real clickers are trying to eat your face, it's maybe a little bit more stressful. But it's funny you it's funny you say that because in the game it's it's exactly like that. If one of the slower guys kind of come at you, you can generally aim and, and get the headshot. But when these clickers, because of the way they walk and like they're all over the place, it's so hard to get them get them in the head. Yep, yep. I know. I know. I'm I'm familiar <laughs> with trying to shoot those dolphin clickers in the head. <laughs> Ellie gets bit again, which I thought was hilarious. I know it's not supposed to be, but her reaction to, like, you gotta be kidding me. Again? Like, that to me was so funny. And then she's like, well, if anyone, it's good that it's me because I'm Mm -hmm. immune. I thought that was extremely, extremely funny. Well, and they rewrite this a bit because they, they we talked about last episode, they don't do the concept of spores where they have to put on uh, gas masks, but Joel puts on his guest mask and Ellie doesn't have one and Ellie survives this. And this is kind of the catalyst for Joel saying like, oh man, there is something to this. She actually is immune to this disease. So they kind of need to do that again in the scene to have Joel see her get bit and see her not change to really make him a believer. Got it. Got it. They get through this battle. It's, once again, just very stressful, very... Fun's the wrong word, but I <laughs> I mean, this was my favorite part of this episode because it's where the action happens. But they're on the roof. Like, Tess is trying to come down from the absolute terror of what mm-hmm. just happened. And what I thought was funny... Funny's the wrong word, but just from, like, a character-building standpoint... There's this wood plank from building to building, which on a normal day, I would be like, no, I'm not walking across (laughs) that. But I think in this world and having gone through what just happened, Joel says something like, oh, you know, don't worry about it. He's like trying to comfort Ellie and Ellie's Mm -hmm. like, I I don't care. She just walks across it. Like, did you see what we just went through in that other room? (laughs) I had to bayonet someone well i thought about bayoneting someone with a brown vest uh, anyways I, I thought it was interesting just like developing like what you're afraid of in a world like this mm-hmm. I, I i don't feel like osha's coming in and saying if you're six feet off the ground you need a fall arrest harness um, <laughs> people will eat your face so just walk across the yeah. mic you know yeah, and her line was great, right? She's like, that was scary. This is wood. And just walked right past <laughs> yeah, it. that's what she had. That was a great line. <laughs> yeah. And, and these that- are, again, like a lot of shots taken directly from the game um, where she's looking at the the Capitol building in the in the background with this golden dome. And this is kind of like a waypoint for you as you're traveling through the city. You'll kind of constantly see the dome as you're going from rooftop to rooftop. So a really cool visual. Even some of the lines are the same, like, but you can't deny that view as Ellie's talking to, to Joel. So again, they get a little bit of a bonding moment. And there's even a little bit here too where yeah, Tess had already gone down the ladder. Um, I think uh, Ellie then shortly goes after after they have kind of a little like quip back and forth. And Joel very quickly just kind of looks down at his watch, which I think is just kind of a tell again that he's, you know, sees probably Sarah and Ellie a little bit. And, sure. you know, he's, he's still trying to kind of grapple with almost developing feelings for for a young kid and and being her protector sure so does 
How prominent is Boston in the game? Is that a huge part of it, or are you going to tell me too much? Because we're traveling to Wyoming, and Boston is not the majority of the journey from Massachusetts to Wyoming. There's a couple other states in between. So, like, yes. but does Boston play a big part in the in the first game? Maybe I don't know. I mean, it it does, and I'm going to go ahead and hold back and not respond directly Wonderful. to that because I think Wonderful. the game audience would keep know, your secrets. And I think it's <laughs> keep your secrets. All right. Yes, I'll, I'll hold back. Wonderful. But I, I promise, I promise this. Once we're done with this series, I want to go back and talk a little bit about some of the the traveling and, and places these characters go because there's some interesting tie-ins later on. I don't believe in your promises. You promised me we'd go camping when I was a child, and you never took me. Something always came up. Dad. Oh, sorry. I had a. Never mind. I had a moment. All right. They wind up at the. I'm going to say the courthouse. Once again, if you're from Boston and I've got the wrong domed building, uh, here here where we live, we have a building with copper on it, and I think it might be the state house. I don't know. Sixth grade was a long time ago. Uh, everyone's dead in the meeting place, which is not what you want. Um, I did appreciate Joel's explanation. He's like, one guy got infected and they all turned on each other. <laughs> and uh, so we see that Joel in another life was a detective. Detective, yes. <laughs> you and him, Tom, would have gotten along because <laughs> you're an uh, inspector detective. He would have figured out the after party, uh, mm-hmm. much like you did, I think. Yeah, he's definitely gumshoe level. Gumshoe level. And this mm-hmm. is where we'll plug. We watched the after party and talked about it. If you haven't seen that show, that show's fun. It's on Apple. And Tom figured it all out, and I hate him for it. <laughs> but this is, I think, where we also get the reveal that Tess is infected. And something I thought was very clever in this this moment was when uh, Joel sees that she's infected and she kind of steps towards him, he kind of shudders back, which I think is just such a brilliant little like acting right. move because he just... His first reaction is like, stay away from me, even though that they're clearly friends and, you know, who knows what else. And it's brilliant. And listening to the showrunners talk about this sequence, they didn't want their actors to play the games because they wanted them to kind of own these characters, like trust in the creators to give them the beats and give them lines to deliver it, but let the actors kind of add to it. And I think this is a perfect example of Pedro Pascal bringing more to this role because this is not how Joel reacts in the game. He's much more kind of compassionate, but Pedro still as playing as Joel is still a little bit more standoffish. And like, you know, he kind of has that mindset, like you're infected, you're, you're gone, you're dead. And I don't want to follow suit. Sure. Tom, let's talk this through. I recently found out that you are married. I believe Mm -hmm. you walk into, I don't know, the Boston courthouse. I'm assuming that's what it's called. And you find out said spouse has been bitten by the infected. Talk me through what you're going to do in that situation. Uh, well, I give we, we've established I give her at least six months to see if she turns. Uh, if she doesn't turn in six months, you know we'll we'll make it work. Okay. But if she turns within that six months, uh, I love you, honey. But you're gone. <laughs> I love you, honey. I'm already married. Uh, I'm already remarried. Uh, that's that's good. That's good. I appreciate that. I don't know if Please, I've mentioned give it. Yours. Yeah. How, how would you know. react? <laughs> Listen, I don't know that I've mentioned it before, and if I have, I apologize. But anytime we watch a show like this, my spouse, who I love dearly, 
is always like, listen, I don't want to live through the apocalypse. Just put me <laughs> down like minute one, which puts me in a weird situation because what if it's like a false alarm and then I've got to be like, listen, judge, I thought everyone was turning into zombies. She had told me to put her down. I know that an ice cream truck just overturned in our neighborhood and maybe I panicked. Um I'm the sorry. Wi-Fi went out. I, the Wi-Fi went out. <laughs> I jumped the gun. The teleprompter doesn't work. So we ate her. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know. So I it's don't not really... going to hold up in court. No, it's not. And that's why uh, I think she needs to suffer through the apocalypse with me. Uh, mm-hmm. That's my stance. So, Well, this is their, your motto, your family motto. Suffer silently. Suffer silently. But if she did get infected, I would shoot her almost immediately. So, yes. Um, <laughs> I love you, honey. Um, all right. Tess is like, listen, you need to get Ellie to Bill and Frank. And I was like, okay, I think we've heard of Bill and Frank before. Bill and Frank mm-hmm. on the radio? Are those the radio yep. guys? They're the under, other end of the radio. and And I don't... I don't know if you watch them. I don't watch the little trailers for the next episode at the tr- at the end of these ones because no. I just don't want to know. Like I'm going to watch the show. I don't I don't need to see little extra bits, but I do know that this is played by Nick Offerman and I'm blanking on the other gentleman's name, but I think he's the guy that came famous in season 1 of White Lotus. Frank is the uh, hotel manager. Oh, okay. Got yeah. it. Tess and, and this is what I'm talking about where like Tess kind of cold when we first meet her, like hey Joel, I need you to go. I need you to go get that car battery. Oh, by mm-hmm. the way, I lied to that guy. We're gonna go beat him. To now, like, hey, I- I'm done, but you need to get here. There is like hope here mm-hmm. that has all of the sudden developed. I believe, even though we've heard these rumors dozens of times, I need you to do this, even though it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I thought was uh, a-, a pretty interesting development. And she has yeah. a line here, which I'm going to let you deliver in your best test voice. <laughs> Don't do a test voice. It will ruin it. But you can deliver her line, please. Yeah, because I think she's she's ultimately looking for a redemption arc, and she needs this because she knows of all the bad things that you know both of them have done together. And you know, before she meets her demise, she save who you can save, which is, again, brilliant line, well-written. I don't think it was in the game, but... Um, just such a great send off for for this character. And again, you hate to see a character so strong and great leave, but it's it's certainly going to pay so much to I think what we're going to continue to see in the future as Ellie and Joel grow through this crazy adventure they're going to be on. Crazy adventure. Speaking of crazy adventure, Tess has got a short one here. She starts kicking over uh, barrels of I don't know diesel, gasoline, whatever it is. Gets on everyone's shoes. Uh, I think Joel and Ellie at this point realize she's pretty serious about not leaving uh, this courthouse. So they take off. Uh, She dumps a bunch of grenades all over the ground, Mm -hmm. which I think when her lighter's not working, my thought was, I bet you wish you had kept one of those grenades in your hand because all you got to do is pull the pin and let the spoon go and you're cooking with gas, as they say. I'm pretty but, sure grenades are flammable, right? Uh, well, <laughs> yes, but uh, it helps. They're a, they're a better, more powerful Zippo lighter, I guess is what I would say okay. to the kids out there. So if you get a chance, use the grenade instead of the Zippo. 
this whole scene, like the the infected run in, they break down the door, they run by her. She's got to watch him go. I was like, oh, I bet you wish those weren't, you know, running after your maybe lover and Ellie, but mm-hmm. uh, she's flicking the lighter. <sighs> Tom, I don't know how I felt about this. I don't know how I felt <laughs> about them finally noticing her, uh, this gentleman rolling up on her and kissing her in a way that seemed inappropriate in a courthouse <laughs> and without consent. I don't know. I, I Talk me through this. Talk me off. Talk me off. Uh, Tobias? Um, no. Explain to me what's happening here. So I, I agree. Like, it was very off-putting to me, too. And I think my, my wife had also mentioned, like, it was just, I don't know, it was a lot. But the creators had kind of said stuff where they almost shot it like it was like a romance and not every time a zombie or infected is going to kill, they're just going to jump on you and start biting your neck. Like because the infected came in and knew that she was already infected, they're more or less trying to quicken the process. And we've seen these tendrils kind of grow from the mouth. So I think they wanted to play on it. But if you go back and watch the scene, like it's very, very off-putting. And I think that was probably some of their, their goal with how they shot it. You know, when the zombie comes in, he's all like out of focus in the background. And then he, as he slowly just kind of draws up on her, it just gets creepier and creepier. And then crescendos in that just disgusting, gross, horrible, horrible kiss. But they, they, they definitely play on the trope and the idea of the, the flickering light. I think it's in like diehard movies. It's in all sorts of different things where they flick it super fast and then all they do is slow down and then it will it'll actually light. So it's a cool little ending piece. But there, there's another little Easter egg in this where if you actually look at the lighter, the lighter's got a little star on it. It says 76. It's actually a callback to or, or a call to um, Naughty Dog, the developer of The Last of Us video game. They also did a very popular uh, video game franchise called Uncharted. And that was Nathan Drake's lighter from the game that they kind of repurposed here for, for Tess's uh, kind of final boom. Interesting. Yeah. I've seen the movie, never played the game. That may surprise <laughs> no one. But... That's an example of a horribly adopted Naughty Dog property. Got it. Are we allowed to say Naughty Dog? That just, I don't know. <laughs> you can't. So, okay. I don't <laughs> Feels strange, but it is what it is. I got to be honest, Tom, I thought Tess would last longer. I, mm-hmm. when, I, I don't know anything about the story. I just felt like uh, we needed her a bit longer episode two seemed too soon i mean how many episodes are we 10 episodes i would have appreciated her for at least five yeah that's all i'm asking for i don't think it goes up to 10 i want to say maybe eight or nine but there's there's a lot that goes on in this journey for sure so knowing all the beats and stuff that are going to happen it's 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 gonna be a wild ride man there's still a lot of emotion and a lot of things that we're gonna gonna run across and this is only the tip of the iceberg First off, I resent you thinking that I'm going to have any sort of emotional response on this journey. <laughs> and obviously, now that I know we're only staying in Boston, I think they're going to do like the Freedom Tour, where they go to all of the, I don't know, Plymouth Rock, Liberty Bell, the Alamo, all those classic Boston locations mm-hmm. um, that are entwined with American history. I'm excited for them to visit them all. Yeah. But this is, a again, this is how they close the episode. They do a quick little bit of Joel and Ellie escaping. Joel kind of, you know, pointing his rifle, making sure they're not being followed. And he kind of just gives this 
I don't know, just this utter despair of a look and just walks away and leaves Ellie there. Doesn't tell Ellie anything, doesn't say follow me, just leaves her there. And she just turns and, I mean, just it's kind of deadpanned at camera. It's it's a it's a brutal ending. And man, this just sets up so much interesting things that are going to continue to happen. I do think this next episode will be Bill and Frank and, and some of their backstory and, and how they'll meet up with Joel and Ellie. So Again, super excited, especially seeing uh, Nick Offerman join this universe is going to be great. Yeah, it'll be nice to have Ron Swanson around. I mean, he does great work in a lot of different things, but that's probably what he's best known for. Tom, I'm enjoying the show. I'm glad you uh, forced me to watch it. Uh, (laughs) It is well done. I appreciate the pacing of it all. I'm interested to see... All of the Bostonian sites, uh, I can't wait for them to get to Fenway and uh, whatever stadium that the Patriots play in. I'm assuming <laughs> Tom Brady will do a cameo as well as Ed Sheeran. Um, so, no, I, uh, I appreciate uh, this show. I don't really have any. This is not 1899, so I can't like tell you we're going to go from one person's dream to another person's dream. Although we're never going to know with 1899. So uh, I I do appreciate this. I'm looking forward to the journey all the way to Arizona. And I don't have any any conjectures. We know who the killer is and we know who the heroes are. So uh, Mm -hmm. I'm excited for it. for sure. For those of you joining us, we appreciate it. If you have thoughts, concerns, or questions, you can send them to teambingepodcast at gmail.com. Um, we appreciate any <laughs> reviews. Um, as long as they're good, if they're bad, I mean, we'll laugh at them, but we don't necessarily <laughs> need them. Um, but doing that at Apple Podcasts does help out. Tom handles our other social media stuff. Tom, what is the other stuff that we're very, very involved with? Yes, find us on Twitter at Team Binge or on Instagram at Team Binge Podcast. But yeah, it's fun to watch this series and and have other folks kind of play along that played through the games and and understand a lot of the, the beats that are coming up. And I also love diving into Twitter for a show like this that has an audience already and seeing a lot of the fan art or the fans reacting to it. I mean, I I don't know. I might just stay in a specific lane on the internet, but everything I'm reading is just so positive and everybody loves, loves the show and can't wait for, for more of it, man. Yep. Uh, Melinda, we apologize. We're sorry that Stitcher wouldn't play you uh, the seventh episode of the first (laughs) season of Lasso. We did get that figured out. Uh, So hopefully you're enjoying that. We did get news that Lasso's coming out this year in a couple of months, so we're excited to uh, look towards that. Hopefully Ted doesn't get infected. I don't know what happens <laughs> to London during this whole fun guy outbreak. Tom, let's finalize this by talking about some other media that we've enjoyed. I'm going to go first, and I am going to recommend something that's never been recommended on the Team Binge podcast, which is a movie by B.J. Novak called Vengeance. Mm. Um, Never heard of it. Go on. on, It's either streaming on HBO or Amazon, or I'm completely wrong. Uh, Just talk into your remote control, and it'll tell you what it's streaming on. It's a dark dark comedy 
it's really well done. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it because it wasn't, it's something he promoted, but it wasn't like all over the place. I don't even know if it played in theaters, but I very much enjoyed it. Ashton Kutcher, who I have no affinity <laughs> to, showed up in it and was great. Um, it's directed, written by, and stars B.J. Novak of The Office, and I I would definitely re- recommend giving it a go. It's, uh, it's strange. Uh, it's a Bloomhouse production. When that popped up, I was like, Tom, did you recommend a horror <laughs> movie for me? Because you know that's not what I do well. Uh, but it you know, it, it turned out to be quite good. So uh, I would recommend that. Tom, do you have anything you want to recommend? Um, I think you mentioned it kind of earlier, but I'm just going to put another plug in for the after party um, because that just like Lasso has also been um, renewed for the second season. And that's, I think, supposed to come out in April. So if you haven't seen that, it's on Apple TV Plus. It's fantastic little whodunit with a really, really fun cast. So if if you want to, you know, will probably be something that we might have on the podcast radar. I think Ted Lasso will probably take precedent if those are coming out at the same time. But uh, definitely go go back and watch that first season because I'm I'm sure the the writers will will do just as good if not better for for season two. Agreed. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, I have been Julian, and I have been Tom. We'll see you next time, everybody. <laughs>